Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, how good, huh? To be together. Yes. Amen. Amen. I, I just have a question. What's the connection with this morning's meeting and last night's meeting? Is there any connection? Yeah, you say yes. What is that? Huh? <laughs> Need to serve through life, okay? Anybody else? What you eat? What you eat? Okay. You want to be a proper sister? Okay, let me ask you how do you become a proper sister? Uh, I'm glad you're onto it. Yeah, so, you know, Menorah talked quite a lot about, you know, the proper understanding and knowing the right way. So that's not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He, so I thought it was wonderful he chose that, that word, uh, the proper sister. So the proper sister, according to God's economy, is one who is in his spirit. Right? That's to be proper, to live according to the Spirit, to be one Spirit with the Lord. An improper sister is what? An improper sister just lives according to outward regulations, outward rules, right? Just following the things. You know, so you're a good sister, you've done everything right, but problem is. You are dead. There's no flow. There's no dispensing of life. And so this is not an easy subject uh, for us to grasp because we, <coughs> we are living in a, in a society that's governed by right and wrong. Like we mentioned last night. It's just every aspect of society, you know, as a kid, and then, you know, in high school, you have to do the right thing, you know. When you're working, you have to be right all the time. In marriage, you have to be right. You're doing the wrong thing. How many times is there an issue between a husband and wife over what's right, what's wrong? Right? You know? Maybe the wife doesn't like the way the husband does a certain thing. And so makes a comment... And then you get into the wrong realm. And, and this kind of thing happens all the time. So when we live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of right and wrong, we are away from God. It's, a, it's another realm. Remember, I mentioned how you have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's one entity. And what's the source of that tree? Satan. And what's the result? Of being on that tree. Death. And then you have another tree. The tree of life. What's the source of the tree of life? God. What's the result of being on that tree? It's life. So it's really the tree of death. Versus the tree of life. And uh, in our experience. Uh, we have maybe. You may not realize it. But you have a lot of death experiences. There's a lot of death experiences that come. And, you know, when you get regenerated, you start to get life experiences. You start to have joy. You start to have peace. You start to have, be light and bright, right? Before that, you know, there's dullness, there's confusion, there's darkness, there's depression, there's vanity, emptiness, lowliness, uh, not lowliness, um, loneliness. You're, you're, just, you're just, uh, just you in this whole big world. It's so alienate. Then, man, and you get saved. Wow, somebody's with me all the time. The Lord is in us. And there's peace and there's joy. So... <clears throat> These are two realms, and 
One of the problems that we all face, well, two of the problems. Number one, our society is governed by right and wrong. That's, that's what the police are for. Catch all those people who are doing wrong things. Right? That's, everybody is thinking in that way. And that's because men got away from God and started to figure out how to live. And it's getting worse, like Menorah mentioned this morning. It's getting worse. You know, north is now south, south is now north, and, you know, I just don't want to talk about how crazy it's become. So nobody even knows who sets what's right and wrong now. Who makes those decisions? Oh, what's the source of that? That source is demonic. It's the devil. He's the source of that tree. Okay, so we're, we're under this influence. But the other thing is, when you get saved and you believe in the Lord, you get impressed. You need to change. Don't do the wrong things. You should start doing the right things. So even though you got the divine life into you, what got into your mind is how you should behave. And... Um, Christians are in a constant struggle trying to do the good thing, having the temptation to do the wrong thing, struggling to do the, the good thing. One time I was at a, at a training that was held by the Billy Graham organization and, and one of the uh, speakers, um, he said, most Christians who backslide give up because of the sense of hypocrisy. They don't give up because the Lord's not real. They give up because they feel so hypocritical. They believe in the Lord, they want to do good, but evil is present. And according to Romans, there's, there's this struggle all the time. So when we are in the realm of right and wrong, we are not with God. We are actually in the satanic realm. You know, it's really subtle. It's really subtle that it's like that. The enemy, something good, is actually satanic. It's from the source of the devil. We all appreciate good, right? A brother who was speaking on this message, he said, evil is always evil, but good is not always good. You know, we know, you know, we don't have to have much discernment to see something's evil, but something is good, and, and you do something good, and it's not appreciated, and what's wrong? What's wrong? Isn't it good? So it's, it's very subtle uh, for, for us, and it's very confusing that as a Christian, you're trying to now live a good life. You didn't live a good life before. Now you're trying to live a good life and yet there's all this conflict. And uh, you, you do the good thing. You don't necessarily feel bright. You don't necessarily feel light. You don't feel joyful. You've done the good thing, but it's from the wrong source. So there's not the blessing of life. So this afternoon we're going to look at these two trees showing two principles. Two principles for our living. So Roman numeral 1 says, The two trees in Genesis 2.9, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, represent two principles of living. It's just not two historic trees. It's an interesting story. No, it shows two principles. You can live by life or you can live in the realm of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know when we live by life, we saw last night, we live by life, it is a life of dependence. Living in the realm of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil, it's a life of independence. I know what to do. But to, to live in the realm of life, I need dispensing. I need dispensing. It's a life of, dis, it's a life of dependence so I can receive the dispensing. But once I figure out what's what's good and what's wrong, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. I don't need life. I'm independent. I can do it. So these are the two principles. And um, 
I'm sure as we go through this, you, you will have some inward realization of where you are. You know, you can't read this and look at these points without having this kind of sensation, where am I? Where am I? How do I live? How do I live? Do I, do I live a life of dependence, breathing, enjoying, not figuring out, oh, is this the right thing, is that the wrong thing, but just enjoying and living spontaneously by the manifestation of right? Or am I all the time trying to figure out what's right and wrong? I feel, I feel sorry for the trainees, you know, they, they come here and we've got this book of rules. And, <laughs> and uh, my goodness, everyone comes here with a strong aspiration, I'm going to be a good trainee, I'm going to do all the good things. And I, after a while they just go down in a heap of flames, you know, <laughs> crash and, and get all depressed that, that they, they can't do it. And they want to leave the training because they're not good enough. And that's the right time, right time to turn to life. Right? So the only, reason, the only reason you're discouraged for any of us is that we're on the wrong tree. How can you be discouraged on the tree of life? Enjoying the Lord, having his life supply. You're discouraged because you thought you were able to do this and you couldn't. You tried to do that and it wasn't appreciated. And then you get depressed and become negative and everything like that. That's the wrong realm. And hopefully, hopefully, we, we, we get strengthened into our spirit so that we stay in this realm and have the understanding of what it's like in that realm and how to keep away from it. Amen? So just remember, when you read that story, the two trees are two principles of living. What principle do you want to live by? As a Christian, we should say, yes, I want to live by life. Okay, so A says, the two trees show that a Christian can live according to two different principles. The principle of right and wrong, or the principle of life. And then B says, being a Christian is not a matter of the principle of right and wrong. The principle of good and evil but a matter of life. How did you start off your Christian life? How did you begin as a Christian? You got life, right? You didn't get instruction. You got life. If you didn't get regenerated when you believed into the Lord, if the Lord didn't come into you, you are not a Christian. You may have a change of thought, and you're trying to be a good person. But a real Christian is one that life comes into them. You know, I was such a... I, don't, I, I think I, I, I probably get the award in New Zealand for being the most ignorant person concerning God. I, I, I really was. I, I just had no idea. One time somebody told me that Easter was when Jesus died and rose again. I said, man... We should tell everybody that they'll all get saved. You know, it's like, duh, <laughs> where did you come from? Yeah, but, but one thing that, that was amazing to me was when I believed into the Lord and prayed, I had the sensation, someone's in me. Someone's in me. Right? And look at, you've got a verse reference here. 1 John 5, 11, it says, and this is the testimony that God gave to us eternal life. This life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. So this is a testimony that God gave. Right? If you get the Son, you get the life. To get the Son is our believing into him, our receiving him. When we receive him, what do we get? We get the life. You know, so you can illustrate this. This is the sun, representing the sun. This is life. You get the sun, what do you get? You get life. When, when we believe into the Lord, the life comes into us. 
That's your beginning as a Christian. Praise the Lord. You begin by life. You don't begin by conversion, changing, you know. Being convinced you're doing the wrong things. You get the trouble you're in now, you're doing the wrong things. So now start doing the right things. No, that's not the way God does it. God says, get my son. You need my son. And when you get Christ, you get life. Oh, I like this expression. God lifed us. He just didn't like us. He lifed us. He gave us his life. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you have been lifed. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, the next verse, uh, 1 John 5.13 says, I've written these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. To you who believe into the name of the Son of God, that you may know. So, you know, there's a, there's a verse in, in Corinthians that says, Don't you know Christ is in you? Isn't that amazing? That God can be in you and you don't know? Yeah, we all know Toby's here, right? Everybody knows Toby's here. Even those on Zoom know Toby's here. <laughs> Right? <laughs> but God can be here and you don't know it. But worse, God can be in you and you don't know it. Right? Because he's not in the realm of what you're used to recognizing. You know, knowledge, understanding, right and wrong. He's not in that realm. He's in another realm. He's, he's life and that life is in our spirit. If we don't touch the Lord in our spirit... We don't find life. It might be an accident. Brother Lee used to use this illustration that it's like people live in a dark room and they walk around and then accidentally, like the switch and the light comes on. But the problem is they don't realize that did it. And so they can't go back and turn the light off and on again. It's kind of like it's an accident that the light came on. And many Christians have that kind of experience, not realizing that the Lord is in our spirit. Whenever we turn to our spirit, ding, the light goes on. Because that's where the Lord is. I remember first conference uh, I was at with Pauline in, in Los Angeles. And um, we're praying, reading the verse, whenever the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Whenever the heart turns to the Lord. And I'm thinking, where do we turn? <laughs> you know, in, in our Christian background, uh, you know, people didn't have the realization that the Lord's one spirit with them, but somehow the Lord's there. And some imagined the Lord was just above them, you know, and some would pray and put a chair there and pray to the chair, imagining the Lord is sitting in the chair. No, really. Really, people will do things like that. How many people pray with the realization God's up there? Everybody. Everybody. Our Father which art in heaven. God's up there. But the New Testament tells us Christ is in you. He's in our spirit. He's mingled with our spirit. If you want to find the Lord, you have to go to your spirit. If you don't touch your spirit, you don't touch God. You might touch emotions. Oh, you know, Pentecostals, they are, they are good at that. You know, they've got the band and they've got the, the drums giving the atmosphere and, 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 and then it's really good. And I was a really good... Pentecostal, because I'm a bit of a sook. It's easy for me to cry. I get, I get touched and I, I cry. You know, somebody tells something and I, I choke up. And, so I was considered very spiritual. 
you know, not, 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 not a hard-hearted person. No, the Lord is, I'm really with the Lord. Then one day, I was with my father. This is way back, back in the old days before TV. And um, we were listening to the selection of the All Blacks. You know, used to be a big thing back in those days before professional, probably before any of most of you were alive, but anyway. Uh, and, you know, it was all voluntary. And if you got selected to being an All Black, you know, that's about the highest honor you could get in New Zealand back in those days. And my teammate in high school, rugby team, got selected. And I got all emotional and <laughs> and then and then it dawned on me. What's that got to do with God? Nothing. Is God in the all black selection? No. Does God like rugby? I don't think so. It's got nothing to do with God. But I had the same emotion expressed as I did when supposedly the spirit moved. And that was like a light came on to me. A light came on. Is God an emotion? Is he an emotion? Listen, there are a lot of things that give you sensations. Like, if you go to Rome and you go to the Vatican, and you go in there, I, I tell you, you know God is real, man. That is an amazing place. It took 200 years to build it, it should be. It's a, you know, and they robbed the whole world to, to put all the gold and everything there. It should be amazing. It's just, you, you, you get into that. I was saved, fortunately, when I went there because I thought, man, if I was not saved, I'd become a Catholic. <laughs> we went from there to Canterbury Cathedral in, in England. And you know, the Canterbury Cathedral is just bare because there was, there was Cromwell and these guys, they had a kind of a overthrew the Catholics and got rid of all the idols and, and all that stuff. And it's just, just limestone building with nothing in it. You'd never become an Anglican if you looked at the, the building. You, know, you never would. And, and let me tell you something really funny. We had, we had a tour, and uh, there's this uh, minister comes out. I'm not joking. He looked like a skeleton with skin on. Like, a, and, and, and he stood up and he goes, this is not a museum. This is a living church. <laughs> Services have been held here for over 1,000 years. And I looked at him and I said, you're probably in the first meeting. <laughs> you know, there's, there, there are atmospheres that is not God. You know, you go, you go to NASA, you know, down where they send off the rockets. You know, the building that they've got the rockets in, it's so high, clouds form in it. Did you know that? Cloud actually forms in it. It's a big building. So you get in there. Ooh, you're just over. You just go to a big mall and you feel something. That's not God. So, you know, the Pentecostals, they try to create the atmosphere. It's fake. It's fake. Where is God? He's in your spirit. If you can discover your spirit and exercise your spirit and touch your spirit, Every time you touch God, Amen. you don't need an atmosphere. You don't need somebody to whip it up. Amen. So, amen. You know, if you have Christ, you have life. Isn't that wonderful? So we come along and we believe in the Lord. Actually, the tree of life gets into us. Life gets into us. We have life. Amen. So C says, when we received the Lord Jesus and gained a new life, we obtained another principle of living. The principle of life. If we do not know this principle, we will set the principle of life aside and follow the principle of right and wrong. 
how many young Christians, once they believe in the Lord, get turned from life by being told, now you should do this. Now you should stop doing that. That's bad. You should do these good things. And so when they got saved, oh, it's just wonderful. The Lord is real. Then after a while, they start focusing on all the things. Now that happened to me. My goodness. I, I, all the things I had to try and stop doing. I had to stop swearing. My vocab was so limited. You know, a lot of worldly people, you take curse words and swearing out of their vocab, they can't talk. I was like that. And, and then, you know, spontaneously you want to swear. You know, what stops swearing? Life stops swearing. When things happen to you, you don't have the same reaction, so you don't curse. If you exercise the Spirit, if you touch the Lord. And life changes. Telling people, stop doing bad and start doing good, that condemns and that depresses and that causes them to feel, feel, I can never be a Christian. I can never be a Christian. Nobody can be a Christian. You know that? There's only one Christian. Shirley, did you know that? There's only one Christian. Do you know who that is? Yes. Christ is the Christian. He has to live in you. He has to live in me. If he doesn't live in us, we're not Christians. We're fakes. We're trying to imitate. It's not, it's not real. It's not the expression of life within. Oh, Lord Jesus. So D says, being a Christian is not a matter of asking whether something is right or wrong. It's a matter of checking with the life inside us whenever we do something. So look at the, the verse. I'll read it. You haven't got it. For the mind set on the flesh is death. What's the flesh? It's good flesh and bad flesh, right and wrong. That's flesh. Your mind set on that, what's the result? Death, death right? But the mind set on the spirit, right, is life and peace. So here's your mind, right? Here's the flesh. Good and evil, here's the spirit. You put your mind on this, I'm going to improve, I'm going to change. Death, depression, discouragement, dryness, right? Put your mind on the spirit, peace, life. You haven't done anything. It's just enjoyed touching the Lord. And there's joy there, there's peace there. Oh, wow, what a realm. And the sad thing to me, sad thing to me, many Christians think the human spirit is evil. A lot of Pentecostals think that's your human spirit, that's evil. They have no idea. God's spirit is mingled with our spirit and made one spirit. When we first came back and we're talking about the human spirit, that was the reaction. That's evil. Your human spirit, that's evil. Not realizing the devil never got into your spirit. He got into your mind for sure. He got into your flesh for sure. But he didn't get into your spirit. Your spirit died. When you were regenerated, your spirit was made alive. And the Lord is in the spirit. So when we touch the Lord in our spirit, we touch life. Wow. And so, as a Christian, how should you behave? Should we say, is this right? Is this wrong? No, turn to your spirit. As you walk toward it, is the feeling peaceful? Or is the feeling kind of reset? Oh, 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 better not go there. What, what kind of feeling do you have? You do it. You say it. There's joy. There's peace. When we're in the spirit. So the, this is a big thing. You know, last night we talked about the, this triangular situation between like the Garden of Eden. God was there. Satan was there. Man was there. That's, that's in us. Right? You've got the devil in our flesh. You've got our good mind, the independent person. And then you've got the Lord in our spirit. It's the same. So wherever you turn, turn your mind to your spirit, you have life and peace. You're touching the Lord there. When you turn to the flesh, you're touching death. 
And you can go from life to death very quickly. Just one word can sometimes move you to the wrong realm. And one word can move you back. Oh, Lord! (laughs) Right? And you're back. Amen. Yeah, there's there's a horrible verse, or two verses, describing, describing a person who doesn't have God's life. This is Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 is a fantastic chapter. Talking about being gifted, building up the body of Christ, right? But then it says, but the unbel- talks about, then it talks about the unbelievers and it says, they were darkened in their understanding. Their understanding is darkened. They were alienated from the life of God. So here's the life of God in the spirit. Their, their mind is just dark. The world is full of dark thoughts and they're alienated. They're in another realm from the life of God. They're alienated from it. You know, to be alienated is really negative. Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance which is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Right? And then it says, who being past feeling. So, they're alienated from the life of God. They don't have any feeling about it. There's no feeling. You know, do you have feeling? Do you have feeling about God? Do you have feeling about the life of God? Unbelievers don't have that. So you talk to somebody and it's like you're talking another language. You might as well be talking Chinese to Caucasian. just doesn't. Well, but you don't understand anything. You know, it's alienated. Alienated from the life of God. My goodness. That's, that's how God views unbelievers. Dark in their understanding. They think they're smart. They think they're smart. But they're actually dark. Not smart. You're dark. They didn't get the smarts. They got the darks. Darkened in their understanding, and because of that, they have no feeling. You know, it's a big thing to have feeling. You know, there's an Old Testament verse. It says, "When you kill a dog, you should have the feeling like you're killing a man, even killing an animal." You know, there's some feeling. One time, I had to drown a cat. I couldn't look at it. I couldn't look at it. It would just disturb me so much. I had to get rid of it, but it disturbed me. You know, we should have feeling. We should have feeling. And the Lord's life, it's full of feeling. (laughs) Do you want feelings? Wow, that's where to get feelings. Don't you think? Does God have the most sense of life? Of course, of course. So, so now, as a Christian, we shouldn't consider what's right and wrong. We should go by the feeling of life and peace. Live by that. You know, people and, and trainees, they're always doing this. Well, what do you think I should do? I don't know. Why ask me? How would I know what you should do? You know, well, what do you feel? Oh, and they're just in their mind thinking. And people say this about coming to the training. Do you think I should come to the training? Of course I know you should come to the training. <laughs> but what kind of feeling do you have about it? Why are you asking that question? There must be something there. Why are you asking the question? Is there some feeling? And as you move toward it, you feel more and more peaceful. There might be all kinds of chatter in the background. But inwardly, you, you have peace. Oh, this is a wonderful realm to be in. So you've got this hostile world we're living in that's got no feeling toward God, and we've got him in us, and we've got lots of feeling, and we're learning to follow that, learning to live that way of life. Amen. So, two, this, all these points are just saying the one thing. So if you think I'm repeating myself, you're right. They're all basically saying one thing. So Roman numeral two, look at it. Our Christian life is based 
on an inner life, not an outward standard of right and wrong. The principle of living is inward instead of outward. Do we have a dress code? Yeah, we do. It's a, it's a divine code. It's what your spirit feels comfortable with. Sometimes you put on something and you feel, no, I can't wear that. Praise the Lord. That's the Lord's life within. People who don't understand that, they go, hey, you local church people, you all look the same. <laughs> well, one day we're all going to look the same. We don't look the same yet, but one day we will all look the same. We'll be conformed to the image of Christ. We're all going to look the same. So we don't have an outward standard. Why in the meetings do some sisters sit on one side and some brothers on another? I don't know. I just like sitting with the brothers. That's why I sit there. It's not that I don't like my wife. It's like... And some like to sit with their wife. Who cares? That's, that's not a thing. It's like, are you in the meeting in your spirit? Or are you tr trying to, to conform to something? Amen? So A says, if we live by the principle of right and wrong, we're the same as worldly people. What makes a difference between a worldly person and a Christian? What, what is the difference? Is there any difference? Have you ever met Christians that are better, non-Christians that are better than you? It's a bit depressing, isn't it? <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes people say things like this. Oh, he'll be a really good Christian. No, he'll be a terrible one. He'll be living on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he's, he's mastered the good side so well. And he, he can fake it. That, that, that's not a good Christian. What's a good Christian? It's a Christian who lives in a spirit. What if you've got a hot temper, but you've got the Lord in your spirit? You lose your temper, you feel so bad, you confess and repent and apologize and get washed and get revived and you carry on again. You have lots of experiences of the Lord. Yeah, so worldly people, they are trying to cultivate. You know, that was Confucius, right? And Manchus, these guys, these Chinese guys, they really worked at it. They really worked at it. That's just the wrong realm. Produce a lot of good people, right? Ethical people, but not godly. Confucius, closest he got to God, he said something about heaven. Right? He missed the whole thing. He just got on that branch of good and tried to develop it, missed, missed the meaning of life. So, you know, worldly people are in that realm. Don't be a worldly person. Don't live by good and evil. Live by life. So, B says, right and wrong are not decided by an outward standard, but by the inner life. That's why... Some, some believers can do something that others can't do. It's not a standard. It's their inward feeling. And maybe one person can do something and have no bothering with him because his life level is not that high. But if we try and impose on him a standard that a more mature person has, you'll kill him. You'll kill him. So we're not, we're not here having a standard of behavior or prophecy. What about prophesying? No, no. What a Gina. Gina, are you here? You still here? Huh? Is she here? Are you here, Gina? What did you say last night when you prophesied? Lord Jesus, I love you. Is that a prophecy? Eh? That's wonderful. You say, some of you might say, well, man, 
It's meant to be at least 30 seconds, you know, <laughs> or one minute. No, we don't have those kind of standards. So if it's good, somebody can come up and say, Lord Jesus, I love you. And then others, you've got to play the piano about four times so they, <laughs> so they stop, you know. We, we... So it should be, it's, everything should be decided by the inner life. Everything. We should not only avoid all that is evil. This is a really, this is a really touching one. We should not only avoid all that is evil, but also that which is merely good. You know, we, we get criticized because we don't do good things. You know? Do you, do you, do you give to, you know, save the whales? Right? Greenpeace and all these guys, do you give that as good, isn't it? Isn't it good to save the whales? Yeah. Ah, we, we, had a, we had a family reunion up on, by Gold Coast and I was riding along the, on the beach with my, with my son on a bike and there were, there were a few whales just... That was really lovely. Yeah, we should save the whales. No, you don't kill them, do you? That's weird. But we're not, that's not our crusade, is it? So can you imagine having that as your life mission, save the whales? The whales don't even realize you're doing it for them. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. But, yeah. It's not, it's like, have you, ever, have you ever confessed because you did something good? No. You might do something good, but not led by the Lord. It's not what the Lord wanted you to do. And after you did it, you feel dead. You confess that good. We hardly have the consciousness. So what's wrong with that? Amen. One, Christians can do only that which comes from life. Amen. There are evil things, good things, and things of life. Three things. Evil things, good things, and things of life. Christians can only do that which comes from life. The expression of life. And look at the verses you've got here. Beautiful verses. John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then he said, I have come that you might have life. And this is the promise, 1 John, this is the promise. He himself promised us eternal life. Right? I've written these things to you that you may know you have eternal life. To you who believe into the Son of God. Christians are life people. Be a life person. Don't be a good person. Don't be an evil person. Be a life person. Lord, make us life people. The taste of life, the consciousness of life. Two, in Genesis 2.9, good and evil are put together in one way, whereas life is another way. Right? We covered that. There is a standard that is higher than the standard of good. What's the standard that's higher than good? The standard of life. Is it life? That should be the question. Is it good? Who cares? Is it life? That's what matters. Wow. So the Lord said, you know, I'm the resurrection and the life. Amen. Amen. God, God gave his son that we might have life. So 4 says, the standard of Christian living deals not only with evil things, but also good things, good and right things. Many things are right according to human standards, but the divine standard pronounces them wrong. Isn't that interesting? God pronounces them wrong because of what? They lack the divine life. Are you good sisters? You don't, you, don't want to say, you don't want to say no, do you? 
Okay? But, you know, how, how, how does God, how does God commend you? Because you're good? There's quite a lot of verses, right? Showing God doesn't recognize good. Right? We're not saved by righteousness, by our own works. Nobody gets saved by that. Right? Was Jacob a good person? No, he's a crook. Right? But God called him. And that made all the difference. God said, I love him. Bad person, naughty person, cheat, rip off, you know. But, you know, he had the divine life, so God loved him. God loves you if you have his life. If you live by his life, you're loved by him. If you're just a good person, you're in the wrong realm. He has to let you have some more death experiences till you turn to life. Amen. Yes, so the Christian living is based on the inner life. Okay, one says, no Christian should determine anything apart from life. You know, when you're faced with a decision, what do you think? Should I do this? Is this the right thing? What about that? What will I say if I do this? You shouldn't make decisions based on that. You should make a decision by the inner life. And if you made a wrong decision, don't worry, you can always repent. Yeah, you can always repent. Always confess. But when you make a decision based on what somebody thinks, what somebody expects, you you run a big risk of offending the Lord. Because he's not necessarily governed by what somebody might think or say. And we have lots of people giving us advice in the church, don't we? Lots of people. Concerning our husbands and our wives, telling us what we should do. Actually, we should learn to take life. We should learn to take life. Don't do anything apart from life. And that requires a lot of stopping, right? not being so quick, right? Sense the inner feeling of the Lord when we're looking at something. Then two says, whatever increases the inner life is right. <laughs> Wonderful, huh? Whatever increases the inner life is right. So that means when we, when we take some kind of action and as we go down that action, there's more and more joy, there's more and more life, it doesn't matter. You know, we're experiencing, we're experiencing a lot of joy taking away of life. Other people may not, may not appreciate. Don't worry, don't worry. They're not the Lord. They're not the Lord. They're just in this wrong tree, making all kinds of comments. We, unfortunately, we get a lot of that in the church. People have opinion about what everybody else should be doing or shouldn't be doing. We shouldn't be governed by that. We should be governed by what's the sensation we have when we go in this direction? Is it life? Is it peace? Our pathway is God's life, not right and wrong. The difference between these two principles is immense. The contrast here is great. There's life and there's death. Huge contrast. There's a big difference. It's not this little thing. No, there's a big difference. The one question we must ask is whether the divine life within us rises or falls. We mentioned that last night. Rises or falls. This is what must determine the path we take. So we walk in this way. As we're going down here, we just have a sinking feeling. So we stop. We come back and start rising up again. The sensation of the Lord's presence, uh, his feeling. You know, it may be happening all the time in you, but you may not be recognizing it. You might think, oh, man, I feel a bit depressed. 
I need, I need some Panadol or something. Or whatever, whatever people take. No, 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 you need to stop going in that direction. <laughs> need to come back to life. Right? God requires us to satisfy the divine life. We must do things in a way that satisfies the life God has given us. Amen. Amen. As Christians, we should not only repent before God for the sins we have committed often, we need to repent before God for the good things we have done. You've done good things, but God didn't appreciate it. Can you think of a case in the Bible that was like that? The first family, Cain and Abel. Did Cain, did Cain do something evil? No, he did something good. He worshipped God. He offered something to God. But it's not what God wanted. He got rejected. And then he, he turned from a worshipper to a murderer. That's how quick we can change. Right? So seven says, the principle of our living is not one that differentiates between good and evil. We must come before God to determine what is of life and what is of death. Yes, amen. Oh, may the Lord help us to move from right and wrong to death or life. Have that kind of uh, discernment. If we would live according to the principle of life, we need to discern the spirit from the soul and know the spirit. Amen. Wow. Look at this verse, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and operative, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit and joints and marrows, and able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So sometimes you can be reading the word of God and the Lord just divides your soul from your spirit, speaks something to you. Now look at this. You don't have the verse printed, but 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The soulish man. Who's a soulish man? That's a man who's living... By his emotions or his mind. That's the soul, right? And maybe his will, right? Strong will. So it says, the soulless man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. He's not able to know them because they're discerned spiritually. So our mind, emotion, and will cannot discern spiritual things. They can't, they can't get the things of God. So you don't get God by education. You don't get God by emotion. You don't get God by exercise of the will. You get God in the spirit, in our spirit. So you have to be a spiritual man. Who is the spiritual man? Okay. Who is a soulish man? A man who's governed by his mind, his emotion, his will. Right? That's the soulish man. What is a spiritual man? A man who prays a lot? Not necessarily. A man who reads the Bible all the time? Not necessarily. What's a spiritual man? Huh? A spiritual man is a person who exercises his spirit, who turns to his spirit. That's where spirit is. You want to be spiritual, you have to get where spirit is. That's your human spirit mingled there. Wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. I've lost my point. What point are we up to? A1. Good. Amen. Thank you, you're following. Amen. If we decide to know the Lord in a practical way and experience Him in our daily life, we must learn to discern our spirit. If we do not know our human spirit, we cannot understand God's moving within us. And we cannot follow the Lord because the Lord is the spirit living within our spirit. Amen. That wonderful verse, 2 Timothy 4.22, The Lord be with your spirit. Let me ask you where the Lord is. Where is he? Is he in heaven? Yes, he is. <laughs> Romans 8 tells us that the Lord is in heaven. 
but it also tells us he's in our spirit. He's omnipresent. He's just not in the world. He's in our spirit. Right? We need to know the difference between our spirit and our other inward parts. Oh, this is interesting. So you, you've got Psalm 51. It says, you delight in truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you would make known wisdom to me. Ezekiel 36 says, and I give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Wow. You know, how's our loving organ? I didn't love God before, but when I got saved, I got a new heart. I said to love God, a new spirit. And the Lord will take away a heart of stone and of flesh and give us a, give us a soft heart. And then you have 1 Peter 3, 4, the hidden man of the heart. Amen. In the incorruptible adornment of a meek and quiet spirit, very costly in the sight of God. So within our spirit, there's a person. There's a person living there. This is the hidden man. This is the Lord. Okay, so she says to do anything in our soul, <coughs> whether it's right or wrong, is to live in the old man. Thus we need to deny our soul life ourself. Amen? Okay. When we follow our spirit, we follow the Lord himself because the Lord is in our spirit. Is it risky to follow your spirit? No. It's the safest thing. The Lord is there. The Lord be with your spirit. And then, what, what does 1 Corinthians six seventeen say? He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. One spirit. Amen. Okay, so 4 says, In order to live according to the principle of life, we need to follow the inner sense of life. Okay, the sense of life is subjective, personal, and practical. So that's yours. It's personal. You, you have a sense. I don't have to tell you what the sense is. You have a sense. I have a sense. And it's subjective. It's for us. But it's also practical. The sense of life on the negative side is the feeling of death. Oh man, isn't that such a contradiction? The sense of life is death. <laughs> on the negative side. So that means you're exercising your spirit, you go in a, in a way that's not according to the Lord, and the sensation is death. That's negative, right? But look at the sense of life. This is, this is wonderful. The sense of life on the positive side is a feeling of life and peace with a consciousness of strength. Ah, sometimes, sometimes I, I talk to some older brothers and I go, hey, bro, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, not that well. Oh, you know, I'm getting old. I said, you're not old at all. You're just young compared to me. Come on. The Lord is in you. You're a new creation. And they start to pick up and get a bit more enlivened, right? You know, with the spirit, in our spirit, there's a sense of strength. A sense of death is weakness. A sense of strength is a sense of life, right? And satisfaction. Oh, man. You know, these last two years, I have been so satisfied. I am so happy. Don't thank God for the pandemic. Amen. <laughs> Not for those who got sick, but for what it did to us. Bring us into a wonderful coordination and fellowship, positive environment, full of rest and brightness and comfort. You know, if we didn't have the pandemic, we wouldn't have had Menorah talk to us this morning. Isn't the pandemic good? Right? It'll be good when it's over. But the good thing when the pandemic is gone, Zoom will still be here. And what we've gained through this period will still be here. One of the brothers told me recently, he, uh, he would go to Singapore about twice a year. And he said, now I go every week. Has a training there every Saturday. Done done 36 trainings this year or in the last 12 months 36 
36. Before Zoom, before the pandemic, who knew about Zoom? Did you? I never heard of it. Yeah. So anyway, there's, what, what's your feeling? What's your feeling? Is your feeling satisfaction, brightness, rest? Do you feel like that? Right? Peace, strength, comforted. You're in the right realm. You're in the realm of life. That's the sensation. These are the sensations of life. The source, okay, look at this. The source of the sense of life is the divine life. This sense of life, where does it come from? It's the divine life. It's God's life. And it's the law of life in Romans 8. The law of life, free me from the law of sin and death. It's an overcoming life. And it's the Holy Spirit, wow, who's dwelling in us. And, he's, and it's actually Christ abiding in us. And it's God operating in us. The source of life is the triune God working in us. That's where, that's where it comes from. So you, we have to respond to it. We have to learn to cooperate with that. Be conscious of, of that. You know, if you want a happy marriage. Where's my wife? Is she here? Oh, you said that. Yeah. Do we have a happy marriage? We were married 60 years, right? Can't believe it. She put up with me for so long. But actually, why am I saying this? Yeah, if you, want, if you want a happy marriage, if you want a happy life, you have to follow the sense of life. Right? You say something, and after you said it, you see the look on the face, you realize, hmm, I better correct that, you know. <laughs> better adjust that, better retract that, better stop that. You know, husbands and wives, if they're going to have happy marriage, they have to read one another, you know. Now, that's not the divine life. That's just a human life. But it's the same with the divine life. The Lord is in you. You do something. Paul, Paul talked about forgiving somebody in the index of the Lord's eyes, in the person of Christ. He, he was one with the Lord, and he saw the Lord was forgiving this terrible person. So he forgave him. And he told the brothers, you should forgive him. Right? He was looking at the Lord's feeling. Same as, you know, you look at your wife, you say something, and oh, I'm in trouble, you know. Then you better correct it. It's the same, it's the same relationship. So then... The Lord is operating in us. We have this wonderful sense. Amen? So C says, the function of the sense of life is to make us know whether we are living in the natural life or in the divine life. Whether we are living in the flesh or in the spirit. Amen. Right? So... D says, a believer's growth in life depends on how he deals with the inner sense. If you ignore your inner feeling, you won't grow. You have to respond to that, and then you can grow. And we need to pray ourselves into the sense of life, right? Exercise the spirit till our sense of life is stronger, and live under its controlling, guiding, and directing element every day. So it's not something that, this, this message is not something that we just had today, and if we forget about it, it's like, this is how we can live. Exercise ourselves in this way. And then F says, the more we walk according to the spirit and follow the sense of life, the more we'll live according to the principle of life. So the Lord is in us, in our spirit. We follow his sense, and this is the, the way of life. So five says, if we are according to the principle of life, we will discern matters not according to right or wrong, but according to life or death. People say, what's wrong with this? That's death. That's what's wrong. Right? If there's something wrong, it's death. We should learn to discern in that way. Then finally, he says, the best way to discern a matter, amen, the secret of discernment is to discern according to life or death. You want to be a discerning person? 
learn to discern between what's life and what's death. That's the best way, right? We must learn to discern, to differentiate matters of life and death. Rejecting any speaking that deprives us of the enjoyment of Christ as our life supply. But receiving the genuine ministry of the Lord, which always strengthens us in the enjoyment of Christ as our life and life supply. It's very unfortunate that in the Bible and in history and even in our church life, we have speaking that's death. Often comes in a form of questionings. And you know, you, you may be having a good time and then somebody just asks you a question. And this bit sometimes questions are a bit like the Pharisees asking questions to the Lord. You know, the Lord discerned their intention. So people sometimes ask questions to corrupt us, to defile us, not not necessarily to get an answer. They just put a thought, put a question in your mind. And, you know, you've been, you've been going along enjoying the tree of life. Somebody asks you a question and bang, you find yourself stuck on the tree trying to figure out. And so what's the sensation you have? Death, depression, confusion, you know, discouragement, doubt. I doubt the brothers. Should the brothers be doing this? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm enjoying the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord, I'm not a brother. I don't have to make those decisions. Amen. <laughs> that should be the sister's response instead of, you know, gossiping. When you have that kind of talking, life goes down to death. And this is saying, learn to discern that. When you're listening to somebody, what they're talking about, Today somebody said something to me, tried to get me in that realm. And I said, stay in life. And I just walked away from that realm and stayed in life. I don't know if that person did, but hopefully they did. But you you have this all all the time. People say things. You have to learn to discern. This is part of our church life. Amen? Okay. Groups. Do you want to say something about groups? Or do you want me to say something? What shall I say? <laughs> Let's have groups. Amen. Okay, we'll break uh, those on Zoom into groups. And, and languages also. Yeah, that's what I thought you should do.